All right. Welcome, inappropriate Earl guests. This next guest is why I did this podcast many, many, many moons ago. I wanted to interview people that meant a lot to me, either comics, musicians, uh, hockey players, uh, the bad guy from Superman, too. So we're going to get right to it because uh, this guy has no idea who I am. And he still agreed to do the podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the lead singer from Bowling for Soup, Mr. Jared Reddick. Man, that applause is thunderous. Um, <laughs> I know who you are. We've been talking for uh, ever since before COVID. And uh, you forgot to mention wrestlers. I'm sure you've interviewed wrestlers. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, Chavo Guerrero. Um, I, most of the other wrestlers have told me no. They don't know who I am. I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, I love the. Uh, I love that we have that we found friendship through Rat and Kamala. Oh, speaking of Kamala, we'll uh, do this right here. A little Kamala doll. Very nice. Okay, I like it. And yeah, he, uh, he was the most terrifying man on the planet to me back in the day. Oh, Abdullah. The great Abdullah the Butcher, uh, managed by the inimitable Gary Hart. Yes, Gary Hart, one of the greats. What got you into wrestling? Man, I mean, so we didn't get national wrestling. And, you know, back in the day, it was all divided up into some, into regions. And so, what? I mean, I, I, I feel like we were really lucky in that we got world-class championship wrestling here. And it was done here at the Sportatorium. Uh, and, the Von Erics, man. I mean, you know, they were, they, to me, they were the original rock stars in my life. Um, you know, I mean, I was like a, like a, I really was, I don't know if infatuated is the word, but I, it, I mean, I, I had photo, I still have them all somewhere, but autographs and photos, like, you know, one time I saw Mike wrestle and he was all bloody and I like wiped his blood on his picture and kept it, you know, just, but all of those characters used to come through here. So, you know, I saw Kamala and I saw Ric Flair come here to fight Carrie. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, I just loved it, man. Every Wednesday and Saturday night. And then, um, you know, world-class champ, uh, no, uh, world, world wrestling federation started to come in where we live on Sundays. And then we started to get a, a few of the Atlanta things. We could get that, I think on Tuesday. So, you know, it was kind of just something that was always on, but I definitely, the majority of my wrestling um, fandom was here in Dallas and just the soap opera of the Freebirds and the Von Erichs. And, uh, but, you know, again, always loved it when dudes came through like the Rock and Roll Express and you know, who you, who I liked just because they were the Rock and Roll Express, you know, it, I didn't, it, there was no real other reason. Um, I just liked rock and roll. Well, I, I mean, to me, like I'm 52, so I grew up watching wrestling when there wasn't really the internet. So and it's a joke I do on stage, but I really thought Kamala was from Uganda, you know, and, and me too. <laughs> I, absolutely. Me too. And I thought, you know, you, you, I actually thought the missing link was from parts unknown. Like I really did think that they did not know where the guy was from. <laughs> And then uh, the Mongol, remember the Mongol? He was from uh, Mongolia, but he was white. <laughs> I mean, some of those characters don't necessarily stand up in this cancel culture uh, we're in now. Like, right, right. I don't think you could have the junkyard dog 
coming to the ring with a uh, dog collar on barking yeah. but, and uh, a chain around his neck and you know just that whole thing I, yeah I did they're definitely not they're definitely a lot of that well just the fact that like you know gorgeous Jimmy Garvin to me is like the original dude that had like the valet and right. uh, and so he had I believe Sunshine was the original, you know, valet. And then, you know, they got into a lot more of the dudes, Randy, uh, or the, you know, the, what is it? Who's the Slim Jim guy? I just lost uh, it. Macho Man Savage. And he had Elizabeth, right? And so that that kind of all branched off to me of gorgeous Jimmy Garvin being that first guy. But then just them, just in the way that they treated those women sometimes, you know, it's like, eh, I don't know if we can do that anymore. Well, I mean, world-class wrestling, it, it, the stars that they had later became giant in WWF. Like the ult, my favorite was the Ultimate Warrior, who back then was the Dingo Warrior. Yeah. Yep. And you know Scott Hall was the Diamond Stud. And uh, yeah, we had uh, gentleman Chris Adams with the super kick. And, right. Uh, and I know Kevin did pretty well. Kevin Von Erich did pretty well in the um, in in, uh, in in the the more of the national type thing. I mean, it's really sad that you know that Kerry didn't get to do that really as big as he could have been um, just because of, you know, the accident and um, just all of the things I guess that went on in their lives. That's a freaking tragic, tragic story, but uh, I'm glad that Kevin's doing great living in Hawaii and his kids are wrestling, as you know, and you know, so at least that's going well. I mean, the dark side of the ring episode uh, that went into the Von Erics is like, I think I was depressed for a week. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, how can all this happen to one family? And, uh, you know, it's uh, I always equate wrestlers with musicians and comics. Uh, it's a pretty dark lifestyle you have to lead. And uh, a lot, I would say probably 80 percent aren't built for it. Um, You're so right. I mean, it's it's you have to have like, you know, there's not there's not many Steve Martins in the world, you know, that like just are mentally this one person and they're just like, okay, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to create this world, but I'm just going to be a normal just guy, but I'm going to keep to myself and be very stern. And, you know, I, so much, so many of us can get caught up in that, you know, and I, I see from, from the musician standpoint, at least, you know, and you see it from the comedy standpoint and me being a stand up comedy fan watching, you know, so many of them have just the freaking, just the darkest side to them. Uh, musicians are, are the same, man. It's, it's, as you say, it's, it's sad. The ones that have gotten caught up in it, whether it's depression or drugs and alcohol or, or, you know, a combination of all of it, girls, um, you know, from, from the rock and roll standpoint, it's, it's, it's definitely, I wonder, does comedy have that element like wrestlers and, and, you know, when you're in a rock band, do y'all have like chicks that come to shows just to bang you? Well, um, <laughs> We do actually. Um, maybe not in quite the numbers that you guys do, but uh, well, there's only one of you, so you know you don't have to have the same numbers. It's like, well, I, I think though that um, the allure for there being only one of us is, um, you know, we don't have to divide. Like, you know, if there's a girl, say you and the drummer. Uh, I'm not saying, uh, you know, the drummer in your band, uh, Gary, but, uh, you know, as the comic, you get them all. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or you have the option to get them all. Uh, 
you know, versus, you know, say uh, bowling for soup, you got to go, okay, who's uh, Eric like, who, who does, uh, you know, Rob like, and, and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. uh, there are some benefits, but I would say the downfall is like, if you're in a bad band, you can blame it on the drummer behind you. <laughs> right. If you're, if you're a bad comic. Very true. Yep. You know, you yeah. can't really blame the curtain. You always have somebody to blame. And like, even if you tell a stinker, you know, like you try to go into a joke or what, and you know, you know, as well, you know, if, if you've never seen Bowling for Soup, much of our show is banter and, and uh, just talking about nothing. But you know, when you do get yourself and dig yourself a little hole and it's a stinker, you have the other guys to go. Uh, yeah, that, you know, and, and just lift you back up, throw you a little volley. And, uh, you know, you're up there by yourself, man. I mean, it's uh, high risk, high reward, but that's what makes a good set. Uh, I say almost of a sexual nature, like it feels that good. But yeah. when it doesn't go well, um, you know, it can be like coming early. Uh, just the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Or not at all. Or yeah, like, Absolutely. Or well, that's what... Yeah. When I saw you guys play at the Roxy, it's my only time ever seeing you guys. Uh, two things stood out to me. Uh, one, I was standing next to you the whole time in the crowd and had no idea it was you. You were watching the opening uh, act the Dolly Rots. And I yep. thought, wow, that's that's amazingly cool of you to not just give a cursory listen and go back and, and I don't know, do whatever you do back there. Uh, and your sense of humor on stage. like. Yeah. I believe uh, when you guys played a new song, you said something to the effect of, hey, this is a new song. So if you got to take a shit, now would be the time. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, wow, that's that made me a bigger fan. Like that's just that honesty of uh, you probably being in a crowd and seeing Rat or whoever or Kiss uh, playing a new song and maybe going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll tell you a true story, actually. Um, and to me, this is the, somehow the Jim Blossoms just end up in so many of my stories. And I don't know why I don't know them, you know, but I mentioned them in two songs and, but me and my ex took my kids to see this. Um, and, and, and let it, let, let, it, let it be known that I've, I've always been like that. Like I, I understand from a musician standpoint, uh, uh who's been in Bowling Pursuit for almost 27 years and I think we have 21 albums or something crazy if you count the EPs. And I understand that people want to hear 12 songs, you know, and then I've got three or four that I could sort of play around with or whatever. Uh, but I would never be um, just enough of an asshole to go out and, uh, and expect people to pay money to see me play all of my new shit that I wrote 20 fucking years after the song that they want to hear, you know? So, so I, me and my ex took my kids to a festival and the gin blossoms came up and man, you know, they've got a lot of songs, like a lot of big hits and they, and he starts the thing and he just like, yep, well, we just got out of the studio, really happy about this new album. So we're going to take some time here during the set, play you guys four or five new songs. <laughs> 
And it was mass exodus. The, I mean, like it was packed. It was a big festival. And just to the porta potties on the right, to the beer stands on the left, and everybody just gone. And uh, sure enough, and then then uh, you know they played Hey Jealousy, and everybody went back. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a bit that I I recycle from time to time, especially when we have a new album out. And you know, so we've got shows coming up. We've got this new song out called um, Getting Old Sucks, but everybody's doing it. And we will play that song. And luckily for us, it's doing really, really well. So I might not have to tell people that they can go, they can right. leave. Uh, but, you know, later on this year, when we sprinkle in another one, uh, it'll definitely be one of those things where I, I don't expect every single person to be stoked hearing something that, you know, because not everybody's like that. Not everybody's that kind of fan. And, you know, I'm depending on the band, I'm not that way, you know. But you guys have so many iconic songs like at that show at the Roxy. And I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your, you know, where uh, literally every song, the crowd sang the, the complete, uh, uh, you know, the complete song. I don't think I've ever been to a show before or since or, uh, you know, during that week where that has ever happened. I mean, even like at a Kiss show, which was like the last big concert I went to right before COVID, you know, people might sing a chorus of, I don't know, shout it out loud, but like, they don't know the words. Like I was like, wow, this is amazing. Now I know why you guys are so popular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're definitely, like I said, there's the, you know, I mean, we have nine legitimate hits and of them, we probably play seven every single show. Um, and then you've always got the fan favorites and, and those, and you sort of know based upon, you can just kind of look in the crowd and say, okay, this is a when we die crowd, or this is a turbulence crowd. And I'm only going to play one of those and I haven't decided yet. And then you just sort of can gauge it based upon, you know, how they're reacting to things and all of that. And um, <clears throat> we're really lucky in that the fan base that we have managed to keep and gain along the way, uh, they're very loyal and uh, they're very passionate and uh, they, they tend to know even the songs that I don't expect them to know, you know, like it's like, they'll shout out some song, you know, and, and it's just like, how do you even know that that song exists? You know, that was a B side on a record that didn't sell, you know, but uh, again, I, I, uh, I, I, I feel very blessed. And I know that's a, a bit of a, a cheesy word to say these days, but it's, it's really the only way to describe it because the, our crowds, just always have that energy and it doesn't matter where anymore. Like it used to be to where like college shows to us weren't all that great. And then all the kids who listened to 1985 on radio Disney and watched Phineas and Ferb got to college. And now our college shows are crazy. You know, it's, it's, they're awesome. And um, you know, and our audience is growing and we're playing bigger places than we were 15 years ago. So uh, definitely a testament to that fan base. What's the, um, because I know like I'm going to mention a band, you know, I uh, am fans of, uh, how do you like your band, like the click five who I am obsessed with, uh, for whatever reason, uh, cause I probably don't fit the model of a boy band fan, <laughs> um, sure. but like most boy bands struggle. And I didn't think of them as a boy band necessarily because they, we're all like graduates of the Berkeley Music School and, and could play their instruments. Uh, but they seem to struggle like most boy bands that when their fan base got older, they moved on to other forms of music. Uh, 
you guys have kept your younger fans into their twenties, thirties, and, and a guy like me in their in his fifties. How, how do you like go about keeping your younger fans when they grow up? Well, first of all, you know, I feel like a lot a lot of them grew up with us. You know, I mean, we we started the band when I was twenty two, I think. Um, yeah, that's right, and. So, you know, young adulthood, and really I was just learning to even be a songwriter. So most of the stuff on the first four or five records is just kind of silly. And and I don't really ever show you a lot of like real emotion and things like that. As I got more comfortable as a songwriter, you you know, you, you can sort of see that evolution if you go back there and listen through. And then I have Lunch Drunk Love, which is, is a divorce record. And I feel like at that point, our fans a lot of fans had been through that or had parents that went through that or whatever and could could really, uh, you know, associate to the songs themselves, you know? So that's sort of the heavy answer. The other thing is, you know, we just, I feel like we found our niche pretty, pretty early. I uh, We're lucky that our genre stayed strong as well. You know, we had things like Warp Tour and, um, you know, different, different things like that. And then obviously we had bands that got really big, like Blink-182 and Green Day and All American Rejects. And, you know, those sort of just kind of kept the flags flying or whatever. And so we sort of made it through anytime there'd be sort of like a, a change of the guard, so to speak, then it just kind of just comes back. And right now pop punk is as big as ever, really. I mean, if you, if you, if you keep up with that kind of thing, but our thing was, is that we saw our peers, a lot of them who, they're funny and then they're not funny and then they're political and then they're angry. And then, you know, and that was cool. And musically it was awesome. And and I think for some fans, I don't think, I mean, I know for some fans that was great. And for those bands, they were doing what they wanted to do, but I could sit there and go, we got signed because of the bitch song. I feel like if I start writing about the Republican party or Democrats or anything remotely, political or important to the general population uh people are gonna just think that that's ridiculous (laughs) you know like that's just not who we are like we are the band that you put on after a hard day at work who makes you feel better you know and that's just what we've what we've always done and what we and who we knew we were so i think that's a big part of it i think when you go to a bowling for soup show you know what you're going to get when you pick up our new record, when it comes out in September, wink, wink, uh, you're going to know what you're going to get. Maybe it's evolved one way or the other or gone backwards or whatever, but you know what the vibe is going to be and you know, it's going to make you smile. And that, that pretty much, you know, is what people expect from us. And so we just adapted to that and no, we didn't adapt. We just stayed the same. (laughs) And that's, that's what we did. Well, that's what I wish Kiss would have done. Uh, and they're certainly one of my top bands of all time. Uh, but they kind of, you know, <laughs> first they were a rock band and then they went disco. And don't get me wrong, I love me some Desmond Child. But, uh, you know, and then sure. uh, the Cars were popular. They put out Unmasked, which is basically a Cars album. And I love the Cars. But, you know, yeah. then, uh Pink Floyd put out uh, the wall and so they said, we're going to put out the elder to prove we can write serious songs. And literally, you know, Bon Jovi became popular. They put out crazy nights, which was a, a Bon Jovi older version. And then grunge was popular and they put out carnival of souls. And 
like you guys, like you just said, stay in your lane for, you know, 27 years, uh, which is hard. I would imagine it's hard to uh, not sell out at some point and go, well, um, REM's popular now. We have to write an album like them. It is kind of hard not to do that. I mean, it, it is it is not to, it is hard not to follow trends. And I mean, we have done that to an extent. I mean, early on, um, just a couple of years into our band, really, um, we excuse me, uh, I just finished. I just finished watching La La Land, so I'm a little yawny. Um, I uh, I you know a couple of years in, we had released two albums on our, on our own. It was time for the third one, and Bands like Goldfinger and Real Big Fish and Less Than Jake were doing well, and they all had horns. So we put horns on an album uh, called Rocket Honorable Ones. And <clears throat> even then, though, our horns were very different. They were jazz musicians, so even like tonally and and how they they come across, it's 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 not like we all of a sudden were a ska band. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that was a really good introspective on Kiss and those albums because I've never really quite thought about that, but it's so very true. And even they 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 were so unique for for what seemed like an eternity to me because I was so young. And then they just even their clothing would change. You know, like you you brought up Crazy Nights. I mean, they're dressed up like Bon Jovi in this, you know, like and and poison and stuff and you know, they, and and there was, and then there's the whole thing where they swore they would never go disco, and of course, you know, Gene likes money, so they did. <laughs> oh well, I mean, they even did it with uh, their guitar players. Uh, I could teach a master class, and you know, I think four albums they had four different guitar players. Uh, you know, they need. I think the early '80s, it was uh, obviously Van Halen was um, influencing everyone. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, so, well, we, we need someone who plays like that. So they bring in Vinnie Vincent, who I'm obsessed with. Uh, I mean, he's so crazy. He got kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. I, I don't know how that's possible. Uh, and then he lost his mind. So they they bring in Mark St. John for Animal Eyes because he was, right. I think he was actually taught by Randy Rhodes. And, and then he didn't last very long. And uh, then they finally found Bruce Kulick, who could just play and not cause any problems. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but you guys, I, I always compare you guys, and I mean this as a compliment to like Cheap Trick, like mm-hmm. where, where they've pretty much stayed in, in that lane since Budokan. Um, very few band member changes. I mean, you guys have only had two in 27 years, and yeah. I, I believe both are uh, in good standing. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, the, and honestly, the first one, you know, Lance, our original drummer, I mean, we really he he was my best friend from childhood and he it was supposed to be a hobby and all of a sudden we're touring and he was never wanted to do that so that band member change even to us is like okay you know that was just so gary is when it all really started because that's when we were going for it but yeah then um you know member change we, we didn't really see coming but yeah all in good standing and all cool not a lot of drama and none dr- no drama really um, hey, a little tidbit. Um, there is a metal band from Europe called Shameless, and uh, they have like all these different players in them in their band. And uh, I sing on a song with Bruce Kulick coming up pretty soon. Oh, he's great. Like he's, uh, you know, he's so nice and, and 
like one of the most well-rounded guitar players uh, to my untrained music ears. Uh, and I think he gets along with everyone, which is maybe what Vinny's problem was. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's crazy though. It's like, think about that stuff. And it's like, as you said, all of that for us is pre-internet. And so we didn't really get all of the behind the scenes and the drama and the back and forth that we get these days when people have a falling out and it's even when it's not really public, it sort of just is, you know, um, finding out those things back then, you know, you had to wait for circus magazine to come out or pit parade or whatever to read about it. Uh, yeah. Well, I remember when Mark St. John, who was only in kiss for nine months, uh, he's mm-hmm. in the heavens on fire video. And then, I think the video for uh, Thrills in the Night, I have way too much knowledge in my head. That's useless. It's Bruce Kulick. I'm like, oh, what what happened to the guy in the video? And then, like you said, you had to literally wait, you know, a month or two later for Circus to come out and cover it or Metal Edge. Yeah. Uh, And then, you know, he had some weird hand disease, but then he's in a band, White Tiger, uh, you know, a year later. So, oh, well, was he really sick or did they just want him out of the band? But now you could go on TMZ and like, you know, it's instant uh, or blabbermouth for music, I guess. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I, I had no idea. I know that he was, uh, yeah, I think they blamed it on carpal tunnel or whatever, but. Uh, the only like, I oh. would know this in 2021, they blamed it on writer's syndrome, uh, R-E-I-T-E-R-S, writers. And um I was like, what's that? And then he, he's in a new band. So I was like, you had to wait another two months to figure out why is he in a new band? Why isn't he back in Kiss? And then, the, you know, but like when uh, Eric, you know, and you guys parted ways, uh, you could go on Blabbermouth or a, a thousand music sites and, you know, go, oh, it was like within five minutes, you knew why. And, you know, and, right. and Rob's been great. And uh yeah. Yep. Uh, breathe, uh, you know, breathe a little bit of youth into the band and some excitement. And, you know, he comes in, he's, you know, he's, he's excited. He's everything's new to him because it really is. Right. And so, you know, he, when we walk into certain venues, he's like, Holy shit. We're like, yeah, we've been here five times. Like it, you know, it's, and it's not necessarily that our, that it's mundane. It's just like, Hey, yeah. I mean, we know, but, you know, he's excited about things like what songs we're going to play and shit. And it's like, we used to not even have the conversation. Like we would walk out on stage and whatever happened, happened. And it's still kind of like that, but he comes in and just like, we got to play get happy this week, you know, uh-huh. or, or something like that. And it, it's just, you know, he's like, we're doing it at sound check and we just let him, you know, we're like, okay, then we're going to do that, you know? And, and uh, he's been awesome. In fact, he gets in uh, tomorrow. He'll be here. Um, and we'll be doing, finishing up some stuff on the new record. And, uh, we're going to do like a quick, just fun hang with the guys. Cause we haven't since we right. recorded last August. And so, uh, him living in Pennsylvania, we, we kind of don't get to do that as much. So yeah, it's, he's been, he's been great, man. And super, uh, super energetic and fun and happy. And, you know, just, uh, it's been really great. Was it weird the first few shows with him? Because I would imagine, you know, the, the I guess I'd call it the classic lineup, um, you, you know, that's in all the videos and and, and yeah. certainly that people have seen in concerts for 20 years. Was there like a weird, like, 
uh, adaptation period for you to go, okay, that's, that's not Eric over there, but he, he, you know. Yeah. So this is really interesting, but before he started playing bass for us, Gary had to pull off of a tour because his wife was about to have their, their uh, second child. And he just didn't want to risk it. And of course, none of us wanted him to risk it. We're like, dude, we'll figure it out. We're on, we were on warp tour. Uh, it was like, we get it, you know, like just stay home. We'll find somebody. And he actually suggested Rob, which is, I, I think he just sort of knew from a personality standpoint that that was the way to go because I was thinking, yeah, let's just get some ringer, you know, let's get Stacy Jones from American hi-fi or, you know, whatever, like, and, and, and he was like, man, I think Rob would be great. And so Rob came in and played drums the rest of that tour. And so we had already toured with him. So we knew that that worked, which was very, uh, very comforting right. in, in then trying to make a decision. And then um, when uh, Eric wanted to take a bit of a break, um, Rob came in and, and just finished out a summer and uh yeah, I mean, at first it was weird, but it, but I think it being temporary first just made it to where it was like, okay, here's this guy over here that we can mess with a little bit, see what he can bring to the table, see how he fits in with this banter or whatever. And for the most part, the first month or two, me and Chris just did the majority of the back and forth and he would chime in whenever. But, you know, he just kind of just eased into it. So I really wasn't ever um, uncomfortable or anything. I mean, there there'd be like certain times where I was like, Oh, I forgot that we used to do this thing where Eric would come kiss me on the cheek during this part sometimes or something, you know, and we just created new ones, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it, it was, it wasn't as weird as I think it would have been if it was just some dude that we were like, Hey, we're going to try you out on the road. He had just organically needed to be there for us in two different capacities already. And, uh, so it just, it was, and he already knew the crew and he knew how to get his monitor mix and he, you know, he knew how we are in the mornings and how sound check goes and, you know, all of that stuff. So, um, just, you know, I, we were pretty lucky because I know that a lot of times there's growing pains and, and that there's, uh, you know, a bit of, uh, you know, gosh, did we make the right decision? It was, it was definitely obvious that we made the right decision. Well, I would imagine, especially with you guys, uh, I'm sure you want to be in sync with someone musically new to the band. But like, since you guys are so humor based and uh, entertaining, uh, you, you just don't sit there and play your instruments that, you know, bringing in a virtuoso uh, bass player or, or any position, uh, you know, you have to also worry if they can hang with you guys on the humor level. And he has. And uh, yeah. it, it was very important to find somebody that that took things seriously, but doesn't take themselves too seriously. It's like explaining to someone how we can be serious about a show that we really aren't that serious about. I mean, we're, we're serious in the product and what people are coming to see. And where we worry if it, if we didn't feel like it was funny or if we, you know, didn't choose the right set list or this or that. I mean, those things do bother us. You just really wouldn't ever know <laughs> just like being around, you know, or watching us, you wouldn't know that we even think about that stuff. So having him be like that. And, and, you know, I told him really early on, I mean, I am Bowling for Soup is a vocal band. We are, we're, we can sing. And that's always been our thing. 
it's always been the deal to where we would go into clubs with five bands and we would sit and we would watch and we would just know, man, we're, we're lethal. We're better than everybody here. We're going to go up there and we're going to slay them. And we did every night because we could sing real good. And whenever he got into the band, he just rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And I was like, I love it, man. I think it's great that you can play all these songs on bass. This is great play. It's awesome. I don't care if you ever mess up, just sing your ass off. (laughs) And I'm like, don't ever mess with me on vocals. Don't fuck me, dude. Do not. And, and he remembers that like he talks about it all the time. Just be like, yeah, I mean, he rehearses his vocals because he just knows how important that is to not only me, but to, to what the product is that people are hearing out there. It's we take pride in sounding like our album. Oh, you can, you can tell, like you guys, when I first heard you guys, you reminded me of the cars. Not, I mean, I know you guys don't use keyboards that much, but it was like the backing vocals were um, equal to your vocals, like in terms of the quality. And it was like, I'm not used to that in the bands I like. You, you know, usually it's the, the glam band and it's the singer and he either has a good voice or he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't mention names. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. It's like you, you those, the, the their back vocals are piped in and, and, you know, especially on the records or whatever, it's very filtered and, you know, not necessarily just two dudes singing uh, or three guys singing, depending on it was. And, and you know what? I, I, I missed this earlier. I wanted to say that, Cheap Trick is always such a good one because we used to use that too. We used to say that Bowling for Soup is like if Cheap Trick, Cheap Trick and Steve Martin had a baby, you would right. have Bowling for Soup. And uh, now I stand by that. I, you know, I still, I got to tell Rick Nielsen that he was on our, Gary and I's podcast and uh, you know, you got to see him, tell him that. And of course he went up to me and said something funnier, which was awesome. And um, you know, it, that's that's just sort of how we've always described our described ourselves so i take that as a huge compliment oh i love cheap trick and they are so entertaining and like you can tell rick nielsen has a little bit of stand-up comedy uh like he wants to do it like the last time i saw them play i think at the greek theater <laughs> he's just in the middle of a solo stops and goes hey look everyone it's blackie lawless he's parking <laughs> my car and uh <laughs> You know, I was like, wow, that's that's kind of a, a roasting. Uh, it was so funny. Like, I don't think his fan or their fan base really knew who Blackie Lawless was. Right. But, yeah. yeah. It was hilarious. Uh, to, to do that in L.A., just which is hilarious because Blackie Lawless was in every single band ever. You know, and yeah. then every other guy was in his band, you know, uh, such a such an interesting reference, man. That's that's see that's the comedy behind that guy he's just you know witty 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 but like i always you know you never hear his name in the uh, conversation for great guitar players of all time and uh because he's so funny and he's got the wacky outfits and Mm -hmm. does the guitar change after every song his tech must be amazing uh Do you guys, uh, since you kind of fit into that genre of humor and music, do you get, um, I don't know if upset is the right word, but do you wish sometimes your songwriting and and, uh, musicianship got taken a little more seriously? Yeah, I mean, you know, that stuff comes up. It's funny, you know, from a local, because here's the thing, at the end of the day, who gives a shit, right? Like, it doesn't (laughs) really matter if you win, win those things, but like, there's a local Dallas, um, 
thing that they have uh, on Facebook. It's this big group here. All the old dudes from from our day and and the, even a couple of generations back and a couple of generations forward, but basically the heyday of Dallas music are on there and they, they do these polls where they're like, you know, best singer, best guitar player, you know, best this or what. And, and though I'm very happy that those that win, it's, we don't ever get nominated. And it's a really interesting thing to me because, you know, I know what, you know, again, I don't tiptoe around what I feel like my skills as a vocalist are, but even me aside, like, I mean, Gary is, I, I, I think, easily in the top five drummers maybe ever to come out of this city. And it's crazy to me that they don't recognize that, but I think there is something attached to us um, that, you know, we, we didn't get a, we didn't get nominated for a lot of awards back in the day here locally. You know, we, we, we don't come up in polls a lot. Um, And that's all right. You know, I mean, and and that, that kind of even goes back to, you know, I don't, a lot of people don't even realize this, but, we only got taken out of tour, out on tour by three bands ever. We never got support. One of them was in Canada. It was a band called Gob. And then Catch-22 took us and Sum 41 out um, as we were both blowing up. But And then um, the band 10-Foot Pole took us out, and we actually had to pull off that tour because Girl the Bad Guys want, got nominated for a Grammy and stuff started going nutty. But all of that coming up and stuff, we we did it all on our own. We we couldn't even get people to let us open up for them because we just weren't taking that taking that seriously. Um, and then I think what happens is I think, and then you know, also that we we had this this whole phase where we were like the darlings of the UK press, and then they kind of turned on us for five or six years because we were doing the same thing as far as they were concerned. And then there just kind of comes this point. Um, I believe it was two thousand fourteen. We were doing warp tour um, and we were doing warp tour with all these heavy, heavy bands of the day, you know, asking Alexandria and, you know, all of those like super hardcore bands. And we were like, we're going to get eaten up. Like these kids are literally going to hate us. And it was the opposite. It was like all those dudes coming up going, you guys are the reason that I bought a guitar and you're the, you know, Gary's my favorite drummer and this, this, and this. And at that same time, you know, all of those press people started coming around going, it's stupid for me to write anything bad about this band because they're, they're still, they're bigger than they've ever been crowd wise. And they're, you know, they're still writing the same shit that they've been doing. I mean, they're, and they're, they do what they do best. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, so I think now we do get a bit of a respect um, more in, in the world than, than we used to, you know, we're, we're definitely, um, and I'm comfortable with that, but you know, I, I was comfortable the other way too, because I guess I sort of understand when you go, when you go, when you see our band and we're up there for 90 minutes, but a solid 40 minutes of it is us just talking <laughs> like, you know, to most bands that's that they're, they don't, they just don't really understand that mentality. So, um, but you know, fans do. I, always, I mean, it always bothered me. Like, uh, I hold grudges for other people, and most of them I've never met. Like, I went <laughs> to a uh, Frank Zappa tribute show out here, and uh, you had all these virtuoso musicians playing, and then Warren D. Martini from Rat gets up there, and you could tell he was the least respected person 
by the crowd because they're like, oh, that's the guy who was uh, in the Lay It Down video looking like a gay pirate. Um, and he had the best, uh, I think he did like two songs, but he played better than anyone up there. And, and I think, and I could tell he could care less if, you know, he's respected in that room, but it was just like, it was nice to see him get a little like, now nah, I can play better than anyone here. So sure. uh, enjoy yeah. the next two songs. <laughs> I've definitely done charity things where I, where it's celebrity things. And I go in and it, not a lot of people talking to me and, or even know who the fuck I am. And then after I go out and do my thing, um, for the most part, everybody warms up to me and, and, uh, and we have a fantastic rest of the night. So um, but you know, again, that's even, I, I, I tend to, uh, I tend to be overly sensitive about that kind of stuff anyway, because I'm an anxious person. And so I, I definitely, you know, <laughs> somebody doesn't like say hi to me or whatever. I'm like, well, they fucking ate me. You know, that's. <laughs> well, I get this feeling we have the same sense of humor because, you know, and I certainly is not as known as you guys are, but like, you know, I wear the all leather outfits and, you know, a vintage rat shirt or a bowling for soup shirt. And, uh, you know, I want to be taken seriously too. like, Oh, this guy yeah. can write jokes. It's not just yeah. like the outfit or whatever. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to be like the bowling for soup of standup comics. You, you give a bowling little for soup of, of comedy. Well, yeah, you give both, you give the humor and you give the, the, the songwriting and, you know, the vocals and like, I don't know. I mean, it just, yeah. uh, you know, you guys have been around for 27 years. It's not just shtick. Uh, yeah, you, you, the whole thing about it being shtick sort of goes out the window after about 15, I think, you know, I think people start to have to, to give you at least a little credit for, for hanging in there, you know, and, uh, you know, quite frankly, I mean, we, we just, we just do really well on, you know, on the, on the outlets that we're given. I mean, our, our music streams well. And again, that's testament to a, a very, loyal fan base, as I said earlier, and, and, uh, just persistence from us, you know, of just, Hey, if you don't like us, we're going to beat it into your head. I love it. Now let's get to the videos. Cause I know your time is limited here. I could talk to hours for you and I'm sure your heart just sank hearing that, but, um, you guys also, uh, became known for your videos, which, uh, like your songs had humor in them. Uh, is, is that, um, at some point an anchored and to know when you release a single that you have to make a funny video for it too. Like you just did one with Alexa bliss, uh, yeah. you know, merging the wrestling. Uh, is, is that hard to come up with a concept, uh, video to match the song? It's, it's not, it, it's, I mean, you know, when we were during the, all of the hits, you know, you had a bit of a budget from the record label. Um, and then we got dropped in 2009. And so since then, you know, these 12 years or so, we've been back on our own, which we were the first nine years. So um, now it's our money. And so it's the point of trying to make this and trying to make a great video. But, you know, it's you're on a budget and this thing may not work for you. It's like, you know, you, you don't it's not going to be on MTV. It's not going to be on VH1 even the video channels in the UK are sort of kind of going by the wayside or at least going to online only. So, you know, it just, it becomes one of those things where you just got to be pretty careful. Um, 
so I kind of messed up, man. For the first, for the last couple of records, we didn't really do much video wise. I didn't really pay attention to them. Some of that, I'll be honest, I've I've gained a lot of weight over the last eight years, and I'm I'm a, I'm pretty self conscious about that. And I think I'm about over it because pretty much everybody knows it now. So like, I don't have to read the comments and it just be like, Jesus Christ, it looks like you ate the singer of Bowling for Soup, which I wrote that joke. Um, and so they can't get me with that one. Um, but I, I, video is king. It always has been king. I mean, I think it, 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 it's obvious from the way that it impacted music in the eighties, even the nineties. Um, you know, so we have to be thinking about that moving forward. So, so we're doing really well with it. I mean, our, uh, this, this last single, uh, we did the, we did some puppets and it's doing really great. And, uh, this next video that we're about to release might be up there with the best ever. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a matter of getting creative this day and age, but being able to financially make it make sense, you know, right. it's like, okay, this is part of the promotion of this song or this album you know, can we do that? Can you say, and, and that's what movies are about to go through. You know, you're listening to um, interviews with, with big time actors and actresses and, and, you know, they know like, Hey, these budgets aren't going to be the same anymore. What kind of movies are we going to make? So it's the same with, Hey, these budgets aren't going to be the same anymore. What kind of videos can we make? You know? Um, but yeah, back in the day, it was, it was nice because we could just come up with an idea and it'd be like, okay, here's how much money you have to do it. And then you just give it to the director and the producer and go, here's what we want to do. And here's how much we have to spend. Let's go do as much of this as we can. And a lot of times you get all of it in like 1985 or punk rock 101 girl, the bad guys want, we got all that in, um, almost, which was a really good one for us. Turbulence, um, which would, um, no, no, not turbulence. We did that on our own, but, uh, uh, when we die, um, you know, we got, the $6 million man, you know, I mean, we got freaking it's Lee majors and, uh, he costs $5,000 by the way. Um, um, maybe I should hire him. <laughs> I don't know about that anymore. You know, I mean, he's, uh, he's living the good life down in Houston, Texas these days, but, uh, I, uh, but yeah, um, you know, they, they were always fun and, th and, th and, you know, for us, they were fun to make because we got to just be together and that's, that's the way we are. I mean, my favorite video of all time by any band, not just you guys, is the unedited version of my Wiener. Um, ah, yes. I mean, that. I have to ask you about that video, not the one with the dogs. Yep, I got but, you. Uh, this what, is penis. What was, yeah, I mean, uh, was it just like hit record and we're going to mess around and we're going to have a giant dick and like <laughs> um, hot dogs and fish tacos like uh was that a collaborative effort or yeah it was um it was collaborative between um you know the band and then the video director and then i think excuse me that's so rude i'm sorry no, I no, think listen our, it's not rude you're nice enough to do this so i think our i think our a and r guy threw in a few too but it was just as many things as you could get in and for those who haven't seen it the the internet got scrubbed uh with that video uh several years ago because we were doing a series of shows and it, it the the money was really good but we needed our online parent presence to sort of 
I guess look a certain way. Honestly, it was all a management thing. Uh, and whether or not we agreed, it happened. And, you know, I, I, I wish that video was, was more out there and it will be. But um, if you haven't seen it, it, a beautiful, beautiful girl in a six foot penis con costume complete with balls. And, you know, she serves us lemonade, but the lemonade doesn't taste good. <laughs> you know, she wants fish tacos. She's uh, drinking some milk and I tell her a joke and she spits the milk out. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, man, we had one bit, though, dude. <laughs> that didn't make it into the video because I guess it just didn't quite work, but oh. <laughs> it was, it was, um, we, me and her were holding hands and we got into a swimming pool and the water was really cold. And so she shrank and it got shot. And I, I really, really wish that I could, I could find the footage to it because it it's, it did not work at all, but just that, that idea was so funny. It'd be fun to have that out there, but yeah, um, definitely, you know, uh, uh, Gary, Gary was not happy about the video because oh, really? we needed a place to, to do it. <laughs> and he had just moved into that house and the director guy and me backing him up. were like, dude, it's not going to be a big deal, man. We're just come in commando style video. Uh, we'll, we'll roll in, we'll shoot it all. We'll get out of here, you know, whatever. And I pulled up early that morning and there were two, two huge box trucks full of equipment out <laughs> there and just calling all this attention. And then next thing you know, we're set up full band in the middle of his street. We've got uh, a, a giant penis walking down the street and he hasn't even met his neighbors yet. You know, like it was, uh, he, he was pretty stressed out about the whole thing. At the end of the day, he's, uh, he's a good sport. So he's, he's fine with it, but it was, uh, it was a bit, I mean, the, um, the, the crew tried to make lunch cause we were on a budget. So they tried to make hamburgers and hot dogs on his grill and, uh, set his porch on fire. Um, like it was a crazy day. Is it, um, you mentioned earlier that especially in the eighties, like, uh, I think every hit song that rat had, uh, uh, quiet riot, Motley crew was really, people got into it through seeing the video first. Uh, yeah. is it now in 2021 and, and really the last couple of years since MTV is, I don't even think they show videos anymore. It's like, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm 18 and pregnant. I'm 19 and divorced. Uh, the Jersey Shore. Is it unmotivating for a band in, in this era to want to come up with a concept and all this great stuff for a video when you know the best right now can be is on YouTube? You, you, I have to. So bands that I work with outside of Bowling Pursuit, um, I have to convince them. You know, they, they don't want to spend money on the video. They don't want to put the effort into the video. The, the point is, is that, look, the, the it being on YouTube, YouTube is still the number one place for discovery of music on the planet and bigger than anything's ever been. It's bigger than radio's ever been. So it it's, that's, you need to play ball there. Uh, people got out of the habit for quite a while, but bigger artists started making bigger videos again. Um 
And you know what? Those that are doing it are, are winning because, you know, your video doing well, 100% translates into your song being put on a playlist and then your song being, you know, streamed. And quite frankly, that's how, if you're going to make money off music, that's how you're going to do it these days. And um, uh, for the record, you can see the My Weena video on Vimeo. If, yes. uh, you know, that's uh, so until it gets back on YouTube where it should be. Go yeah. to Vimeo and uh, Jared, I know you got to go. I have two quick questions for you. First of all, thank you for doing this. No, thank man. Anytime. I'd love to come back. We got we have so much to catch up on. I know. I mean, I, you know, I'm uh, cognizant of the uh, you've got uh, other things to do than talk to Earl in L.A. Um, so uh, long overdue, man. It's right. long overdue. Oh, absolutely. I just figure we're never going to or not never. We're not going to be in the same room for, you know, probably a while just because the uh, things being what they are, which yep. uh, leads me to my next question. Um, what were the differences between uh, recording in the past versus for your new album out in September? Yeah. And by the way, go to bowlingforsoup.com, buy the records, buy the live albums they have. Uh, and uh, Jared has a great deal right now. Ten dollar T-shirts on. I do. Uh, That's true. Yes. Uh, on your own website, or is it? Can they get it on bowlingforsoup.com? They can go to bowlingforsoup, or you can just go to jarrettreddick.com. Either way, just. Uh, but yeah, I've got ten dollar T-shirts. One says "hungover." I'm hungover as a hockey team, and uh, they're good stuff. Yeah, but so uh, what was the hardest part about recording a new album in this wacky? uh time we're living like you said rob's in pits uh pennsylvania uh i am assuming a lot of zoom yeah well you know it's evolved over the years as has everything you know we it used to be a thing you you know you wrote the album while you were on tour and then you rehearsed when you got home and you went and recorded um we got signed to a deal we had a had you know we could kind of sit back and um rehearse for a month and and then I would write the songs as we went. We did that for a few times. Uh, but really just the way computers work these days, the songs are written and hashed out to just like a general beat, general baseline, you know, guitar ideas thrown in there, vocal, scratch vocal thrown down, some scratch harmonies or whatever, but all to a click, uh, which is a metronome to those who are, are unaware. Um, and essentially, we do what my friend Linus calls paint by numbers. You you turn off the drums and Gary goes in there and he plays the song to the stuff that's there. And then we turn off the bass, add those drums in. Rob goes and he plays the bass. And, and then we, you know, you just go from there. The last thing we do is the vocals. Um, the big, and, and so up until, you know, 2009, when we were on job, we were doing what I call destination albums where we would go somewhere for a month or six weeks and make the record. And most of the stories that we tell come from th that, those times, like, Oh my God, you know, this or this hotel room or this, this thing, you know, once we started recording again, after sorry for partying, when we did fishing for woos, we've, we've done all the rest of them in Dallas. So it, it became like kind of like going to going to work and we weren't all there every day and it just wasn't it, you know you get it done and you're proud of it but you know it, the fun aspect of it just the hang is gone well covid started and um i you know we missed each other we did a bunch of things on the internet 
called band meetings and we would just go on Facebook and literally hang out until either Chris was so drunk that we had to get off the internet or someone had to go do something, you know, that was <laughs> of, of like actual something, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, I, Rob's brother had been in, no, I tell you what it was. Uh, Rob had gone into a studio with his brother's band called don't panic and recorded some stuff. And I saw some photos and I'm like, you know, how is that studio up there? It's, they live in the Poconos up in Pennsylvania and the studio seemed super cool. And I just go, all right, here's what we're doing into the summer. We're going up to the Poconos and we're going to make an album. And I was just like, mark off these dates. Here's what's happening. So that was the plan. We didn't know how it was going to work. Um, as it got closer, none of us were really ready to fly yet. So, um, we got a tour bus. We had the tour bus drive us to the Poconos. We got a Airbnb that was way cheaper than hotels and way more awesome. And we lived in this six bedroom house and we went a mile to the studio each day, recorded and then we came back and we cooked dinner and all of our sports were back on the stars, the Mavericks, everybody. And, and uh, they were watching the Cowboys. I was watching the Steelers yeah. like football was back. You know, it was awesome. And we got to go and we made a destination record and we took the bus back. And so, you know, it was just a matter of like, I, this is, it's what we needed. Everybody came back just going, Oh man. You know, I've, I've, everybody had a new outlook on just life, which seems very dramatic, but gosh, being, you know, after touring the world for so long and always having something on your calendar to get to and a blank calendar for so long and a blank calendar after just needed something. And, uh, that really put a pep in our step and it didn't hurt that everybody really loves the songs. So, um, you know, that was the difference. I, I do hope that, um, that we will continue to do those though. I do understand from Gary's standpoint, you know, he, my two, my two older kids are pretty much grown now. And my eight year old, you know, is so busy. He wouldn't even notice if I'm gone for a couple of weeks. Um, and, uh, so I hope that we can do, um, continue to do destination records, you know, the, on the ones that we have left in us, you know, well, I know, you know, I was sad last week because of the uh, passing of Tawny Katane. Hmm. Um, and the only reason I bring that up at the end of the interview uh, is, do your kids ever see like the video for 1985 and go, Daddy, why is she doing the splits on that car? <laughs> um, I don't know that that they've seen that. If they have, it's been a really long time. Um, they're pretty funny kids, man. Uh, my my daughter still, and this is so weird. She was born uh, on the same day we got nominated for a Grammy back in 2003. And so her whole life has been like, you know, your dad's on this show or this, there's this TV or he's on this thing, or, you know, now he's on Phineas and Ferb and now he's Chuck E. Cheese. And, and it's just been always something. And I don't know. She's just never really, she's just always been, well, that's awesome, dad. Just recently though, she's 18. And she'll just come in and tell me facts about things. You know, she'll go, do you know, she, this is recent. She goes, do you know how many monthly listeners you have on Spotify? And I'm like, I think like 4 million. I'm not sure. I think it's close to that. Uh, and she goes, yeah, that's like really good. Did you know that? I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to tell you that for 18 years. 
Um, my son, my son, Jack is 15 and he was the funny little kid. You know, he would just tell people at the store, like my dad's famous, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and then my, uh, but my, my eight year old, you know, it's, you know, he comes in here all the time. What are you doing? I'm recording a song. Oh, uh, what's it about? I can't tell you it's inappropriate. <laughs> okay. Well, do you, can, will you come watch me do these tricks on the trampoline? Place. So he he just kind of um you know so much of he's here and I'm here and he sees so much of the creative side of things and and us doing these podcasts. I'm interested to see what his um how he describes what his life was like when he grows up, you know, because like again, like Rob will be here tomorrow and he'll be here through Friday. And then we've got a podcast tonight. So uh, it's Jarrett goes to the movies. So Jarrett goes to the movies is tonight. So all these people come over. We're just in this room talking about movies. And, you know, then, you know, it's just people just in and out of this house all the time. But it's not like it's, you know, an L.A. thing back in the 70s. It's not a party house. Just, you know, work going on and people coming in. And so uh, he's pretty used to it. And uh, but he's, you know, he every once in a while, some, somebody will say something and he'll say, you know, like, right. My, my teacher really likes your band. And I'll be like, well, that's super cool. You know, ask her what her favorite song is. And, um, but they're awesome. Awesome little people, man. They really are. Well, uh, I didn't know. Now I feel bad that you have a podcast tonight and I took up an hour of your time. But, Dude, stop uh, saying that. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy we finally did this, man. I would love to come back anytime. And I, uh, no, man, I had to watch La La Land today and it was good. I, I liked it. I don't, I'm not going to. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty positive person. I don't really put a lot of negativity out into the world. Um, so even when I talk smack on something, I do it out of, out of fun, you know, and I think, honestly, I don't think I would offend anybody, um, for, for most of the things that I say. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it. So, you know, I look forward to, you know, we still got about three hours until that happens. And, uh, but yeah, we'll be, we'll actually, you know, we, we do it live each week on Twitch, but every week a new episode of Jarrett goes, the movies comes out every week, a new episode of rockstar dad comes out. And, uh, I got a couple of other ones cooking. So, um, it's a busy time really, that's is. Good. but, but, you know, but good. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing, right? It's like, I had no intentions of writing a new bowling for soup record and then COVID hit and I needed it. And I had no intent, you know, I've been talking about doing a solo country record for years and I went and wrote it wrote it, went and recorded it. And now we're figuring out, you know, how that's going to be released and stuff. And so, you know, I, I, it was such a horrible year for so many. Um, I have to think about, you know, the fact that I, I, I tried to, to accomplish as much as I could and, and make it as positive an experience for, for me and my family as possible. And so, um, you know, I think I managed to do a pretty good job of that. Well, I, I can't, and I mean this, uh, it's going to sound like I'm BSing, but I can't think of a better time for a band like Bowling for Soup to be out there because you guys make a lot of people feel good, man. And that's no bull uh, in with this, uh, even in that non-COVID era with the wacky uh, political times of our nature. We need just right. a fun two-hour concert or whatever to laugh, buy a t-shirt, bowlingforsoup.com, please, $10. You can't beat that. I mean, that's right. Yeah. I know you're probably doing okay financially, but you do a lot of hard work. So support Bowling for Soup and Jarrett so he can make more funny videos like my wiener. I wouldn't show your kids that video anytime soon. Uh, Jesus. Uh, and uh, dude, just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Like you've always, like when I met you at the Roxy and it was very brief, you were nice to me then. 
you were nice to my friends uh, last week in uh, Texas. Like, dude, thank you for being you. And uh, we'll see you soon. Sounds good, dude. Thank you. Jared Reddick for president 2024 bowlingforsoup.com. Go buy something.